This podcast is brought to you by Labyrinth Marketing, an award-winning strategic marketing and capability consultancy passionate about step change in the growth of brands and agencies by setting long-term strategy and supporting and empowering the people behind the brands and business to bring these plans to life through capability programs, training, coaching, mentoring, and providing extra resource. Hello, and welcome to the Whole Marketer Podcast. On today's podcast, we'll talk about marketing ecosystems. And shortly, we'll be joined by today's guest, George Portis, Chief Strategy Officer at AAR. But before we do, let me just talk about why I wanted to cover marketing ecosystems today. Marketing ecosystems as a terminology is rising in popularity. The concept is used to describe both what the marketing function is set out to do, but also the choices that they make about how to do it. Choices around their people, their skills, their styles, their mindset, those processes or cycles which they may use to bring those products and services to market or manage their performance, as well as the agency partners they bring into the fold to bring all of these things to life. Today's guest is George Porters, Chief Strategy Officer AAR. I invited George onto the podcast in light of the recent report, AAR and the drum release entitled Marketing Ecosystem Blueprint. And as I keep seeing the terminology of ecosystems rising in popularity, I wanted to provide you, the listeners, with more clarity on this term and what it means, but also to highlight some of the facts from within the report that you might find of interest. Today's guest is George. George has enjoyed over 20 years leading agencies, brands, and consultancies that include St. Luke's, TBWA, Google, Sapient, Labrooks, Accenture, and TAG. He's worked in a range of disciplines, advertising, marketing transformation, technology, and content production for such brands as BBC, Sky, Mars, Unilever, and the Football Association. He developed strategy, transformed marketing functions for several blue chip companies, and delivered marketing to make brands famous with a strong return on investment. Along the way, he's created several new marketing methodologies and agency offerings. He often takes part in marketing industry debates at events that include Marketing Week Live, Forbes CMO Summit, Stockholm Advertising Association and Future. George works with brands to build back better, advising on the design of their marketing ecosystems and driving their effectiveness. George, welcome to the Whole Marketer podcast. Thank you very much. Now, as always, we always start with a big, juicy question. And today's big, juicy question is one that a lot of us are trying to understand and navigate. What is marketing ecosystem to you? Okay, yes. Great question. Well, when we talk about marketing ecosystems, quite simply, all we mean by that is the sum of your internal and external capabilities. And by capabilities, we mean people, process, platforms, and partners, And for us, it's really thinking about how you design that system and drive it to make it really effective and really efficient. And then around that, what's really key is what is the culture and what is the working environment you have that accelerates those ingredients and make them perform. So what was refreshing about what you just said there, George, is that you mentioned that the culture and the mindset, which is for both internal and external partners, is called out in your model. Can you tell us more about the role that you believe culture and mindset plays in the embedding of an ecosystem, particularly in the daily practice? Absolutely. It is really vital, this, this question of, of culture and mindset. And I mean, I think there's two things. Firstly, shared purpose is incredibly important. And secondly, you really need a culture of openness and experimentation. So let, let me talk about those two things. I think for the shared purpose, you know, it's really about defining what is the role 
for, for your brand and business in the world? What's the relevance to customers? And I think if you get that right at the start of this, it makes any kind of change and, and behavior work much better. It means everyone unites behind you. It means that that kind of purpose can be quite infectious and people have a common cause to get behind. And we see that very regularly in, in organizations that are, that are changing successfully. I think secondly, just getting the right culture and are you genuinely open to ideas from anywhere, you know, at all levels and in any function in the company, you know, any, anyone can be creative. I think when you've got that, things really work. And and just this idea of experimentation. So people talk about failing fast, but actually being okay for people to genuinely test and learn. And when something happens to actually share why something didn't work and what the lessons were. And interestingly, we're seeing some leaders of greater modeling that behavior. So they'll be the first to sort of come out and say, this was a mistake I made in, in experimenting. And this is what we've learned in terms of moving forward. And there's a few things that you've just mentioned there that I think are quite pivotal in creating a culture. And I think one thing around that is the psychological safety, fail at pace, as you've just mentioned there. But I think in order for that to happen, you're right, the leaders do need to lead by example and show when they have made a mistake and that every mistake is a learning and sharing those learnings. But I still think there's also a psychological safety that needs to be built in the team and maybe in the organization as a whole in order for people to be able to be vulnerable and share and capture it as learnings that almost underpin that philosophy of failing fast? I think I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, I think the organization has to work quite hard at continually communicating that it is okay to do that, to learn from your mistakes. And, you know, the modeling from, from leaders is a key part of that. Because I think if at a junior level, it's easy to say, but maybe harder for them to have the courage to do it. But if they see their boss or their boss's boss doing it, then there's this kind of sense that you kind of have permission. And that openness where people feel able to kind of talk about everything, what's and all is, I think, where creativity comes from and that's where you get breakthroughs. One of the things that I love when I was reading your report is about putting more onus onto the CMO or the marketing director or whoever the most senior marketer is within that organisation on setting the clarity and the vision for the role that they want marketing to play in that organisation and the elements that plays. What percentage would you say of that senior marketeer are actually taking the time to set that clarity for their teams? Well, I'm not sure I've got any precise data on that question, but yes, it it is absolutely relevant. And I can say that qualitatively, every successful marketing transformation I can think of that I've been close to or or talked about, you have a marketing leader who has provided that clear vision. You know, whilst it's not easy necessarily within that marketing function and with their partners to kind of create great marketing strategy and deliver some fantastic marketing activity, Actually, the bigger challenge and sometimes forgotten is how do I convey that to the rest of the organization? How do I get the board in particular buying into the vision of what marketing should deliver, what then the value it will bring? Because I think if the marketing leader can do that, then you've got the back in the organization, you've got the right investment, you've got the right support and, and sort of faith that the return is going to come. And I think two things are quite important there. One is to have that conversation in a way that that isn't just creative language or marketing language. It's actually business language and there are numbers in the argument. So you're actually articulating the return in the way kind of any business function would do in a way the CFO and the CEO will, will understand. And secondly, to do it in a way that's just motivating language for the company. So again, not 
probably not arguing on on marketing's own merits, but what is this going to actually do for the the broader business? And I think when you get that right, and you start to get sort of strong ideas coming through from marketing with support, then guess what? You see all kinds of other functions align behind it and and sort of embrace the thinking and and it becomes infectious. I completely agree that any vision that any senior marketing leader sets for their team needs to be aligned with the board and in line with the same commercial language that the whole organisation is chasing. I suppose my assumption, what you're going to say was actually probably not as many as we would hope. And probably because they haven't got the time or the space created for them to really take a step back and think about what they want for their marketing team and and vision. I think that's true. And also, I think, you know, in the cases where that vision isn't being set and maybe the case isn't being made as as clearly, sometimes the the metrics are lacking. Because clearly, if you've got to point some numbers of what the impact of marketing is going to be, you, you kind of need that data and it needs to be robust. And, you know, Sometimes markets have too much data, they're just kind of swimming in it and, you know, digital measures, you you can have a whole spreadsheet of it, but actually what is it telling you? And is some of that stuff short term rather than long term? And sometimes it's a question of budget. So, you know, actually, if you're not convinced the organisation to invest in marketing at the right level, then they may not be investing in marketing measurement. So it's a bit chicken and egg. So I think those are some of the challenges that are faced when this is not happening the right way. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So what advice would you give to marketers listening on measuring success? I think I'd suggest measuring the usual metrics, right? I mean, I think there's there's so much available now in terms of tracking individual real-time customer behavior in in digital. And so, you know, last click measurement around that kind of behavior. And, and then, of course, the, the sort of traditional measures around, you know, advertising and brand impact and, and how that shifts over time are, are all, I think, still relevant for me personally having worked in agencies and consultancies but having been a client for a while you know when I led Labrooks marketing what I found indispensable was was econometrics and you know not everyone will have the appetite for that as an organization because it's relatively complex and certainly costly but at a certain scale of marketing spend and media spend it, it really helps because it can actually tell you you know what factor is driving what sales impact and you kind of answer that rather subjective debate with real figures and if you can point to you know if i spend this amount of money on that channel and this bit of creative uh, over this period it will deliver x pounds and that is a pretty robust position to be in when you're asking for money from the board definitely and i suppose for me also making sure that we're tracking those measures that relate to the strategic tasks that we are setting out to do also so that we can show that our strategy is working and i guess build more confidence in the organization on our long-term thinking as well as our short-term that's right. That's right. And yeah, you want that battery of measures that gives you the short term trading view, but yeah, has the long term element. So you can kind of see those those shifts that are somewhat slower over time, particularly on brand. And hopefully it's the full funnel reading where you're actually seeing what brand is doing to your short term measures too. In your report, you also highlighted there's the following skill gaps in digital innovation, data analytics, creativity, storytelling and performance marketing. Why do you think that we still have skill gaps in these areas? I think it's because those areas are just in huge growth. So there is more and more spend and more and more focus on those disciplines and kind of market of available people with those skills is is not growing in line with that, which is a real challenge, right? And I think it's quite natural for more businesses to want to focus on performance marketing because, you know, a lot of businesses are very digitally centred. So why wouldn't you use all these digital channels to drive consumers to what you have, whether it's to have a great experience or to even convert into purchase. So kind of makes sense that there's a focus there. What's interesting 
for us that we're seeing, though, is that we were actually in conversation with a number of scale-up businesses who I think in their earlier phases have been amazing at performance marketing. And these companies just have built it from scratch. So they're past masters at sweating conversion and all the magic of doing that. But at a certain point in their journey, there's an inflection point where the performance marketing can saturate and they have to start thinking about brand. And, you know, we help them with that. It's quite interesting because they don't think about brand in the same way as traditional company might, but it's more about what does brand do to performance. And again, it's full funnel. You're you're trying to look at the interrelation between any brand activity you add in and, and then how the performance is sort of dialing up and down. And I guess that kind of comes back to the long and the short of the yeah. bit in the approach as well. That's right. But it, again, it comes down to language a lot of the time because there's perhaps a suspicion sometimes of brand and creativity in that sense from these companies because is that scientific? Is it provable? And, you know, you sort of have to get a bit comfortable that it's maybe less immediately measurable than a more direct marketing approach to use an old-fashioned term. So it is an education process, but equally we're on the other side of it trying to help some of the agencies talk the right language because you've got to justify any kind of strategic choices or, or creative ideas for brand in the context of how it plays in performance and not all agencies are equipped to have that conversation. No, I couldn't agree more. And kind of their understanding of what their particular clients or brands or businesses that they're working on are trying to deliver commercially. And to your point, that wider ecosystem that they've got at play around their processes and their structure and their people and the capability as well. That's right. That's where I think the consultancies are are kind of making a big play and and are sometimes stronger thinking about the broader picture and how organisation operating model needs to change around this stuff to make it actually work. How can we better ensure that our agency partners feel part of our ecosystem? I think it's about picking the right partners and, you know, making sure that we've got people that share the similar culture and values to the organisation. You know, and I think this desire to kind of really make sure that the people executing your marketing are really get the brand and the culture, that that might explain this drive for for in-housing. I mean, there are other reasons like kind of cost and efficiency, but where we're speaking to clients where it's really working well for them in-house, I think they love the fact that they've got their own people that they brief over the shoulder and it's sort of very agile and rapid and, and these people are in the business and they kind of really get the brand the business perhaps more than you know an external partner who's not living and breathing it every day on the other hand another interesting trend which is almost feels like a counter trend whilst you've got these clients that are having a great time within housing and there are more and more clients considering it there are also quite a large proportion of the clients that have in-housed that are rethinking it and and starting to reverse it or, or reverse some of it. All that means is that it's often a question about how do you keep people creatively fresh and how do you have the right capabilities and talent? Because sometimes those things are harder to do when you're building that in-house capability. And for me, that links with your earlier point around ensuring you've got creativities at all levels within the organisation that can be drawn in and utilised. I guess that extends to all your agency partners also. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And actually, from an AR perspective, for those of us that know us, you guys will know that we, for the longest time, been looking at that, the whole agency-client relationship. We look at, you know, ways of working or, or marriage counselling, whatever you call it, to just really make sure those relationships are functioning well and that creativity thrives. And what's interesting now is that we're working with companies on their in-house studio and trying to apply some of the same disciplines. Just because they're in-house doesn't mean that they're not a bunch of people that, that sort of need inspiring and motivating to be creative. So having described what marketing ecosystem is to you, George, for those that are listening, thinking, yeah, I'm a marketing leader. I want to provide clarity around a marketing ecosystem. But where do I start? 
what advice would you give? That's a great question. I think I can talk about the way we do it. Firstly, look to understand what is the marketing objective? What's the marketing strategy? So what approach kind of frames all of this? Because really, you know, you're looking at the operations to deliver against that, those objectives and strategies. So get clear on, on what you're trying to do. And when you're clear on that, take a step back really and, and look at that ecosystem. So, you know, as we said, it's about people, process, platforms, and partners. So you'd look at those elements. You'd also look at culture, you'd look at environment, and you'd really assess what have you got, what is working well, what is working less well, where might the gaps be in terms of having the right capability and approach to deliver against those objectives. And then, you know, think about what the changes should be, think about the ones that you think are going to deliver the most value and try and get to a practical roadmap of what you do first. And look, every organisation is different, we find. So this is always highly tailored. But generally, it would probably go people first, then partners, then processes, then platforms, right? Because you kind of need the right people in your team, particularly your core team as a marketer, to help you drive that change or conceive of the change and then drive it. Then you want to very quickly kind of go, okay, next is do I have the right partners around? And then process and tech can follow. Not that they're not important, but that would tend to be the sequencing just in terms of getting the most value most quickly. One of the things that you said there that I think is really important, as you say, is doing the people first, because I guess if those people don't have the drive to want to make the change and don't necessarily have the skills to be able to make the change, I guess the whole thing falls over until those things have been addressed. That's right. Yeah, you've, you've got to have the right people in the right roles with the right motivation level. And again, you know, as the marketing leader, you're setting out some kind of vision, you need people to be be on the bus and be part of it. And once you've got that, you can kind of do most things. A lot of this becomes a a bit of an HR question and also a skills question because I think it's actually quite hard now for any individual person in a marketing department to have all the relevant skills because the skill set required to do effective marketing is so diverse. So, you know, you've got to get that patchwork of talents together and operate with the right culture. And then I think you you can figure out the rest of the wiring. So I think we can understand, you know, the gaps in digital and data analytics as it constantly evolves. We aren't always catching up at the same pace. So I can see that gap. The way in which we do innovation and the speed in which we need to bring it to market is obviously driving that. And we now are understanding the importance around storytelling in order to land internal messages and externally, but still a skill that we're still learning to do. And we've just spoke about performance marketing. Creativity. Tell me more around how we build the level of creativity within our teams. Well, interestingly, we just did a piece of research on this and we spoke to several marketers and we found that about 70% of our sample agreed that creativity was of huge importance in driving business value. But conversely, I think it was about 30% of them felt that they had a clear way of engineering that creativity in their organisation. So we think that's a really interesting gap and a really interesting opportunity for businesses. And we think about this term creative capital, and we believe that creativity is actually a business asset and should be nurtured and managed and measured in the same way that you would do with financial capital. It's great that the benefit of creativity is being seen within the wider organisation. I guess to follow will be how we measure that to the same degree as we do perhaps some of those commercial measures. That's right. That's right. And we're actively looking at ways to do that. So watch this space. Watch this space indeed. Well, George, thank you so much for your time so far on today's podcast. We always finish the podcast with the following question. What one piece of advice would you give to marketers of tomorrow? 
coming up with marketing strategy and executing a great campaign, whilst it's never easy, I think that's relatively straightforward and within the gift of a marketer. So, you know, absolutely focus on that. But I would say equally, or, or if not more so, also think about how you convey the mission and the value of marketing to the rest of the organization. Because in every conversation we have where there's been real success around marketing, that leader has done a great job in articulating the value and the role of marketing to the rest of the business. And they've really focused on driving all the change around the people coming up with the creativity to enable it to happen. That would be my advice. It's a great piece of advice. Make sure that you sell in the benefits of marketing. That's right. You might feel like it's obvious to you, but it isn't always obvious to the rest of the organisation. No, definitely. And I think, you know, use our skills for that internal alignment, which we often forget. That is absolutely right, actually. I had a marketer talking this morning and saying that creativity wasn't just applied to the external comms she was doing, but she absolutely used it in all of her internal discussions. You know, she's persuading an audience in the same way she might do with a piece of advertising. You know, creative execution, using theatre to kind of really land points. And as we say, sell the case for marketing. You heard it here. Sell that case for marketing. And George, thank you so much for your time again. No worries. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to the Whole Marketeer podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please do click follow below for more weekly podcasts. The Whole Marketer book is now available in all good bookstores. And to find out more about how Labyrinth can support and step change the growth of your brand or agency, go to www.labyrinthmarketing.co.uk. Thank you.